Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm your host, Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established, co-founder of Established Ventures, and the team behind the Startup of the Year community and this very podcast. Thanks for being here. On this episode of the Startup of the Year podcast, I'm going to be talking to Roy Schwartz, who's the co-founder and CEO of Axios HQ. He's also led Axios, the media company, through multiple leads of fundraising. He's overseen strategy and business operations and launched Axios HQ out of the company as an internal communications platform to help teams communicate more effectively. Uh, They also had Axios, the media company, acquired by Cox, which is super exciting and had a really nice windfall there. Um, He's also served as an Emmy Award-winning docuseries executive producer with Axios on HBO and is the co-author of a new book that's doing magnificently out there. It's a bestseller. It's called uh, Smart Brevity, The Power of Saying More with Less. So looking forward to talking to Roy here. He got his start at Politico, which is another media company. He was the chief revenue officer there. So lots of media background, lots of business background. Excited to, to talk to him shortly. But before we dive in, we always like to shine a light on startups in our community, in the startup your community. So we're going to celebrate one here today. The one we're going to be talking about today is dun, 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 The Beans, which is a company that helps, you know, believes everyone deserves a plan for their money. They build personalized visual financial plans and help you stick to them through positive, proactive messages. The Beans is a simple, effective way to manage your money and follow your passion. So you can learn more about The Beans by simply going to join thebeans.io. Again, it's on the internet. Go to type in join, J-O-I-N, forward slash, forward dash, I guess it'd be just a dash, thebeans.io. Really interesting product, and I hopefully it'll help you. All right, let's talk to Roy. Hi, Roy. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. I'm very excited to talk to you about uh, your work in the digital media space. And as an entrepreneur now, I've two very well-known media companies. Um, thank you so much for joining. Oh, excited to be here, Frank. Thank you. All right. So for our listeners that are unfamiliar, can you take us back just a little bit to your experience and, and how you got to where you are today? I know that's probably a long story, but it, you know, based on your background, you probably can make it pretty brief. I should be able to do the smart brevity version, right? Uh, okay. So um, I joined Politico uh, probably about a year after it was founded. It was about 50, 60 people at the time. And then uh, Jim and I continued to grow that company. We took it to Europe, expanded it, and added Politico Pro. And then in 2016, we decided to launch our own company, Axios. Um, and we launched that in 2017. It was, it was publicly launched. And uh, that was a huge success. Just recently got acquired uh, by Cox Enterprise for uh, just over a half billion. And then we just spun out another company called Axios HQ, which is in the communication software space. Uh, so that's the smart brevity version of, of where we are today. I love it. Congratulations on the acquisition and everything, all your success with, with the company. It's really changed the way people communicate. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So let's dive in here. So your book, your new book uh, came out in, in September is Smart Brevity, The Power of Saying More with Less. So wanted to to share a little bit more about why you wanted to share a little bit more about why you wrote the book and, and maybe what people should gather from it. 
Yeah, so we developed Smart Brevity. So when we when we uh, started Axios, we realized the biggest problem was that everyone was overwhelmed with information. You got text messages and email and fake news and real news. And we realized that we needed a new format in order for people to understand essential communication. You know, in this in the first use case, it was all about news. But as we started to uh, see how it could be applied to companies and, and we started the SaaS company, we realized that there was actually a communication crisis that was taking place and that essential communication was getting lost. And so Smart Brevity, both the book and the format that we've created, you know, it helps you figure out, okay, how do I actually like, create that essential communication? How do I format it? How do I make it so that it's easy to read and understand and ultimately engage the audience? And so that has been something that, you know, we thought would be a great book, um, but it's also been a great company, right? We've, we've launched the SaaS company that helps over 400 different organizations uh, utilize Smart Brevity for communication. Excellent. So talk to me a little bit more about the company. So is it, it's Axios HQ, is that correct? Yeah. So Axios HQ, it's a SaaS company. We developed what we call an essential communication management platform, and it helps you figure out what you should send, when you should send it, how to engage the audience. We have an AI component that helps you write the content itself using uh, all of the things that we've learned from Smart Brevity. So it's basically, if you took the book and built a, an AI model around it, that that's what we've done. Very cool. And we'll have to check that out. Where would they find that if they want to learn more? Yes, if you want to learn more, just go to axioshq.com. Okay, great. All right, so for our listeners, we're going to dive back into the book itself so they get a, a sense of what this means. Um, can you give us just a little bit more about what Smart Brevity means and what? how do you approach it? Yeah, so first and foremost, it is thinking about how do I communicate essential information in the most effective, efficient way possible. And there are lots of rules uh, that we've found that are helpful when our writers are writing content for the news side. And we've taken those and seen which ones apply to business, and then, and then that's what's in the book. So a good example is most people sit down in front of a keyboard and just start writing. And most of the time they're thinking about, well, what is it that I want to communicate? They don't spend the time and the effort to format it in a way that the reader wants to absorb it. So you end up usually with long blocks of text, uh, not organized, um, and not really written for the reader, but written more for the writer. And so that's the first issue that we identify in the book and we try and help people think through, which is be audience first. Think about who's going to read it, what they need to know, and try and be as efficient as possible for their sake. That makes sense. And it's interesting in this time of like social media and me economy and everything else to, to re reposition everything towards the audience versus yourself, right? So that's, that's interesting. And then, um, so I guess if, if somebody wanted to to dive in there and, and I, you know, had, was struggling with brevity to begin with. I think even it said in the book that you guys struggled with it to begin with because you're all background or some most of the backgrounds were, were journalism backgrounds. Um, yep. How did you rewire your brain to think, you know, this way? Yeah, you start to see the results, right? So we were experimenting with it and very quickly we saw that when we were writing in this style, people were just engaging with it more. And so, you know, we sort of doubled down and, and uh, you know, explored what makes sense. And, you know, as, as you look at how things are formatted, right? Most people think that they read, but they don't, they actually scan. And so how do you more effectively scan information? And so the, 
a big thing is break up those blocks of text, right? You know, use bullet points, use bolding effectively. Um, we use what we call axioms. So we kind of tell you what's going to be in that paragraph. So it might be by the numbers, go deeper, why it matters. But we help orient you as you're scanning through content. And the reward is that people read the content, engage with the content, and that way what you're trying to communicate is, is more effective. That makes sense. Um, so with, with this, you know, the first sentence or those first words that you utter if you're speaking or maybe the subject line of your email are pretty darn important. How do you, how do you approach the importance of those and, and what are some tips maybe for making sure that you nail it? Yeah, I mean, one tip is most people start with the subject line. I wouldn't, uh, you know, you should write what you're going to write, um, then read it out loud so that you can see if it, if it makes sense. And a lot of people use words in uh, their communication that they would never use in real life. Uh, my favorite example is people will write aforementioned, right? You, you and I would never say that. Uh, yet in writing, it seems acceptable. And so uh, a tip that we have in there is whatever you've written, read it out loud, see if it's how you would communicate in, in real life. And then second, take that and then form what is the subject line, right? It should be four or five words that describe what you're trying to say. Ideally be as punchy as possible. By punchy, I mean, use one or two syllables as opposed to three or four syllables. It's almost, you want to, you know, take a thesaurus and use it backwards, right? Like what is the simplest most efficient word that you can use, not what is the most complicated word that you can use. That's interesting because a lot of people try to, you know, use complicated, more, you know, larger, more verbose words to, you know, in, in writing because they it makes them think or they maybe think that it makes them sound smarter, <laughs> right? So that that that's exactly the problem, Frank, is yeah. is a lot of people use things in in writing that they wouldn't use in real life right. because they want to seem like subject matter experts, so they want right. to seem like, you know, they, they got a great education, mm -hmm. but unfortunately it's not really effective. The most effective words are actually the shorter one syllable words. And if you can use those, they tend to be more memorable as well. Right. That makes sense. I mean, some of the best uh, curse words are very punchy um, <laughs> so, and effective, right? And in some cases, that's right. Uh, um, and it makes sense why they are. Uh, so, but, but to be more um, go, jumping back in here. So, you know, it's interesting coming from, I'm, I used to have a media company as well and, and tech.co and, and you guys, you have done this for a while as well. And, you know, you're kind of taught to like write longer formatted things uh, just because it'll get people's attention. You're you're gaining more engagement, not to mention the the bots love it, right? From an, from an SEO perspective, if you're trying to optimize your site. So of course, everything's pointing towards this like longer format and you guys were kind of starting to do the opposite. So obviously that's a big innovation from like a, you know, a shift, right. In, in people's thought process. So, um, yeah, I think, it, it, I mean, did it take you a while to get to that where you all came to, to, to the point where like, well, I mean, guess what was the point that you're like, yeah, we need to do this. You know, we need to go against all the grain of like what we've been doing forever. You know, you know, it's, you look at the data and it's pretty, uh, you know, remarkable, right? Mm -hmm. So at news organizations, 80% of people drop off to the first 250 to 350 words. Now think about that if you were doing Game of Thrones, right? And right. people dropped off to the first 15 minutes, you, you <laughs> wouldn't be able to produce the rest of the, the show, right? right? And so, uh, you know, in news, it's sort of this weird thing where, you know, writers are writing mainly for themselves and they're writing, you know, a thousand words because that's what they've done forever in a day. Um, and unfortunately, most articles 
80% of people drop after the first 250, 350 words. So if you wanted to actually share information, you're trying to be mo mo most efficient about what people learn from what you wrote, you would put it in those first 250 words. Most of the time, people are trying to actually bury their stuff because they're like, oh, I want them to read to the end. Um, but, you know, that's unfortunately not the reality that we live in. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. You're right. And even like, I, I remember you, you were talking about a report in the book where or reports in the book from i think my cia where they're literally like not even putting the point into the report because they they just they just buried it like so deep that you can't even get get the point that was most interesting but if you ask those same people you they could tell you in a second what it is right so yeah the, the <laughs> idea in the book was you know if you went to a researcher you went to a person who just you know uncovered something you say oh what was the most interesting thing they could easily tell you what that is but then you put that in an email, you put it in a report, and all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're desperately searching through thousands of words and pages upon pages to figure out what was the point of, you know, this, this report that you're reading. Right. And so what we're saying is turn that upside down, you know, you first convey what it is that you're trying to say and why it's important. And then if people want to go deeper, yes, that content should be there and people should be able to go deeper if they want to. But if you can't convey the most essential information, then you you know you've already lost that audience. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to jump in with our audience's startup audience, and I wanted to find out how can this be applied to startups, right? You 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 guys probably had to do pitch decks and things and presentations. I'm assuming at some point. And what's you know what's a better way of doing that? How can you apply smart brevity to that? Yeah, I'll start with like, this is how we run the entire company. So we do once a week updates for every single division um, and every piece of essential communication. So I get, for example, a sales update, a marketing update, a finance update, uh, every department, you know, I get an update once a week of the most important things in hierarchical order. And so that's extremely helpful for me in running a company because I can keep track of, you know, multiple things because it's being sort of created in an easy to consume way. And it's made my one on ones far more valuable, right? Because I don't have to spend the time getting basic information. I've already read that. I can go deeper and really sort of, you know, strategize uh, with with the executive team. We also are really transparent. And I think most startups are pretty transparent. So we share those updates uh, with that entire team. So the sales update that goes to the team goes to me and also goes to the entire executive team. So if you ever wanted to know where product or marketing or HR are uh, with, with anything, you know, you can pull up their last week's update and you'd know where it is. So I think that, that one piece is you can really run your company using essential communication as a foundation and using smart brevity as a foundation. Um, in terms of pitch decks, the mistake that we see people make, and we have an entire chapter in the book dedicated to presentations, is that they are using far too many words. And so oftentimes, you know, a presentation should be a supplement to a story that you're telling, but it shouldn't be the story. Uh, and the issue is, is that if you have too many words on a page, uh, the human brain just can't comprehend reading and listening and interpreting the image all at the same time. So our advice is, Pick a really powerful image, only pick a few words, and then tell the story verbally. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it, we, you know, I've done I've done pitch coaching and actually just did a webinar recently with our community about pitching. And, you know, 
trying to get that down to an, a, a lower number of slides. 10 would be great. If you can get it up, you know, around 10 That's to right. 12 is good. You might have, you can always put things in an appendix and talk about it later. Like you don't have to uh, put it all out there right away. So yeah, kind of tease them with it. And then obviously get to the point um, more quickly. I love that. Um, okay. So that's really interesting. I mean, I, I heard that you were doing using smart brevity for for your internal communications, but I didn't understand what that means. But it sounds like you basically have the software. And if anyone gets your software, you can use it externally and internally. Is that correct? Or is there yeah, like that, levels? That's level? the idea. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. So our best use cases is when a company will take it, mm -hmm. use it for department updates and all hand updates, mm -hmm. and then also use it for client communication for things like product updates. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, and I'm curious, uh, are there, do you know, are there any like recent like companies that you think of that you're like, oh gosh, they're doing a great job leveraging this, this new system? Uh, th there are uh, several that we're really excited about in terms of how they use it. And we've done several events. So, you know, uh, Weight Watchers, which is now WW is a, is a yep. good example. They came on pretty early. They're using it across several different departments. And we recently had them at a public event talking about like, you know, the, the power of smart brevity within their organization. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, but it's exciting to see how quickly it catches on. So we now have over 400 clients and the average client has three different use cases. Wow. And so, you know, you can imagine the ones that have been with us for a while have, you know, maybe 10, 10 or 20 different use cases. Interesting. So this could potentially, this format could replace the regular emails that you would get. And I mean, does it replace something like a Slack? I mean, do you still use Slack? Do you need Slack? Oh, no, no, we we, we love Slack. We okay. use it a lot. I think what Slack solved was instant communication, right? right. And yeah. so, it, 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 you know, if you think about um, email in the middle and, and Slack in terms of instant, we're trying to solve essential communication, yeah. which is sort of the, the other, the flip side of instant communication. And I think, you know, Slack and Teams did a great job of organizing your instant communication into channels and just making it easier to do. Um, and then, you know, essential communications has that same issue, right? You've got to take it out of email. You've got to format it differently. You've got to make it easier to search and, and have analytics on it. And so it's just a different beast than a standard email, but it's treated the same. So I bet, you know, right now, Frank, you probably have 300 plus emails sitting in your inbox that you received today right. and you know you're trying to sort through what are the most important ones well if they the most important ones were formatted differently looked differently um then you'd have a much easier job in terms of finding that essential communication right that makes sense i do also like to read the the axios emails too so i those obviously bubble to the top so thanks for putting those out and keeping us uh on point <laughs> with what's going sure. on in the world um all right so Let's talk about um, let's talk about your how this you can kind of apply this to social media too because that's you know its own you know certain platforms or most platforms have a brevity built in in some ways but yep. what's the best way to yet leverage the principles behind it to maybe get your social media to go further be read better you know have a better take well I mean that's a really interesting part right that um, you know Twitter obviously has brevity built in but so does Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram you know you can only see a certain amount of information on one screen of your phone and so how do you you know take advantage of that one screen and I think we help people write better subject lines that subject line concept can be used for a headline right and then we have an entire section in the book all about image selection and thinking through what's the best image to use. 
So it takes a little bit of effort uh, in terms of thinking about what is that that um, subject line or headline that's going to be punchy, again, using one or two syllable words um, and capturing the thought and then what's going to be visible, right? And each, for, each format's a little bit different and you have to think about who's on Twitter versus who's on Instagram and what are they going to respond to, um, especially in terms of the media, the, the image selection. But, but ultimately, the concepts around smart brevity are going to translate extremely effectively to uh, anything on, 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 on the internet and especially on social media. That makes sense. Um, and then, you know, what about um, speaking? You talked about presentations. You talked about, you know, pitch decks, you know, as far as things you can do. Public speaking is something that we all have to do at some point, right? And so can you share a little bit more about how this can be applied to speaking out in public as well? Yeah, I mean, a big part of it is that it really forces you to think about what you're going to say and the way in which you outline what you're going to, going to speak about or what you're going to convey in written form, right? This the whole concept of smart brevity is what is it you're trying to say and what's the most effective way to say it? So when it comes to speech writing, that, that really helps you organize your thoughts. The other thing about speech writing that we found most effective is it's really hard for the human mind to comprehend more than one big thing. And so tell them what that one big thing is at the beginning, go through and reinforce it through your speech and then bring it back around at the end. If you think about it, the success of TED Talks kind of shows you that uh, short form, you know, one topic can be really effective. And so uh, I think shorter is better. It tends to be more memorable. And if you can convey one big idea, that's that's the way to go. Great. And I, I remember reading that you basically say, don't be cute, don't be, you know, ironic, don't be, you know, don't be um, comedy it doesn't necessarily go well in some of the written forms. I'm curious. So how can you get like, let's say you're a comedian and you want to be use smart brevity. How would you do that? Like, is there a way to do that? Or is it just not? Well, I think mix? I think what we say is like, let your personality shine shine through right 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 it's i think if you're if you are a funny person and you tend to you know be able to to get people to laugh you should absolutely use that it's more that we see people try and do things that they're not uh you know naturally right. talented in and then it falls flat and then it makes them nervous and then it sort of right. you know unfortunately um you know makes them perform <laughs> worse right you know it's stick to your personality both in writing and in and in um you know when you're giving a speech if you're not a funny person, then, you know, you, it's hard to lean into that. But but if you are, then you should absolutely use it. So if you're a comedian, yeah, like, like have at it. Right. That makes sense. OK, glad, thank you for the clarification there. Um, so let's see. Let's dive into a little bit more about this is great, great info about the about the book and how to leverage smart brevity. But I wanted to learn more about your background because this is a, a podcast of entrepreneurs and, and founders. Can you talk a little bit more about what it was like starting Axios and Maybe like a little bit about that journey, because I'm assuming, well, I don't know the story, so I'd love to hear it. And then obviously, if there's any any tips or things you've learned along the way. Sure. Um, so so we created Axios because I think two things. One is we saw a real problem that wasn't being solved. And I think, you know, that drives entrepreneurs and we wanted to really own the company. So so having equity and and, um, you know, being able to share that equity with your employees, like that's really important. And so when we created Axios, you know, we um, gave everyone, you know, options in the company. Uh, and of course, now that we, we've had an exit, you know, people can share in the, in the growth of the company, which has been very exciting. Um, in terms of the journey, you know, the first few years, 
they're they're really you know hard work they're a lot of fun um you know it's the typical startup story we were in a uh, it wasn't a we work but it was like a we work uh in arlington virginia we had you know started off with like five people in a room and you know very quickly you know grew to to a hundred people uh, we eventually got kicked out of that space they basically were like uh, you've taken over too many offices here and this is kind of becoming your headquarters. So, you know, you're, you maybe may time for you to leave and get your own space. Um, and it's been, it's been a learning journey, right? Like how do you build a company? How do you set up things like benefits and all the rest right. of it? Um, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. What was the biggest challenge for y'all? I think the biggest challenge has been, uh, the last few years, you know, if you didn't have a real culture, right, if you weren't um, a company that had a real vision and a real mission beyond profitability, uh, you were you were going to hit a lot of challenges, especially with COVID and just the way in which uh, I think the, the employee base has changed over the last few years. And we were very fortunate that we, you know, got ahead of it because we'd seen that culture was so critical uh, as you're building a company. And so when we created Axis, we spent a lot of time on the front end thinking about, well, what's that culture gonna be and what's it gonna stand for? Um, and you know, what does candor mean for us and what does excellence mean? And so all that time that we spent up front, I think really paid off for us, especially when COVID hit and you, know, you, 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 were, you were dealing with a lot of uncertainty, the fact that we had a lot of trust from our employees went a long way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, did you focus early on on culture or did, was it something that you just started focusing on once you had to like think about it once they were at a certain uh, size? No, no, that, 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 that was day one. Like we, you know, we spent so much time up front that I think that's where it yeah. really paid off for us. We yep. weren't trying to catch up, um, you know, during COVID. Right. We had gone ahead of it. We were also fortunate that we were remote first you know, kind of to begin with, like, even though we had a headquarters and a lot of people were here in DC, yep. we had made a decision early on to hire our tech uh, talent across the, across the country. And so we already had like Zoom and Slack and other things in place that made the transition more simple. No, that makes sense. Um, okay. So obviously today we're, we're, we've got an election coming up and you guys have probably tackled a bunch of those. Um, is there anything that you have to be careful of with putting you know, information out there that you, you think of now that you maybe didn't think about before anything learned along the way as you were doing this in that regard? Look, I think all companies are facing the reality that they're probably going to have to be more public on um, lots of different topics. Employees are going to want to know, well, where do you stand on these issues? And in the past, I think you could, you know, get away with not talking about them or, you know, trying to separate uh, work from, those issues, but I think that's going to be really difficult. Um, you know, it's already proven to be really hard. And so companies should really think about what, what issues are near and dear to their hearts, what makes sense to take a stand on, or at least to be made public versus, you know, what are you going to, you know, decide not, not to comment on. You got to get ahead of it. Like people have to think about it. You can't ignore it. And the other part is you got to have a place for employees to, be able to bring those things up. And so we found, you know, the town hall style meeting about various things that have popped up throughout the years um, have been really powerful because people can share their thoughts and, um, you know, hear about how other people are feeling about things. And, and that has been, you know, really helpful. 
Yeah, it makes sense. Um, you're definitely right. It sounds like you already live kind of in a transparent setup already, which makes it super helpful and obviously a model for others to follow. Yeah, I think, look, uh, most modern companies are pretty transparent and they kind of have to be, right? I think that the days of sort of, you know, lots of closed door meetings, you know, that that's going to be really tough, I think, to, to, to keep going. I think employees want to know more and I think uh, companies are going to have to share more. Right. No, that makes sense. All right. So in true smart brevity, you know, format here, if there's one thing you would want our listeners to gather from this interview, if they maybe didn't hear everything else you said, what would it be? It, it would just be that communications is more critical than it's ever been before. And if your head of communication doesn't have a seat at the table, or if you don't think about communication and you're running a company, you, you've got to change that immediately because communication is how strategy and execution actually you know, take place in the real world. And so you've got to be thinking about how you're communicating your message uh, internally and externally. It's got to be a huge part of your strategy. Absolutely. All right. So where would people find uh, your book? Where should they where should they go get it? What's the best place? Uh, you can get it anywhere that you like to buy books. So whether that's Amazon, your local bookstore, Barnes and Noble, um, it is available across the country. Uh, and should be pretty easy to order. It's been on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, I think, for six weeks in a row now. So that, that's been pretty exciting. Congrats. Uh, awesome. And I hope people enjoy it. Congratulations. That's amazing. Uh, you also get the audiobook too. I actually listened to the audiobook and have the, the, the other version as well. So I appreciate the audiobook being out there as well and doing, doing that for everyone. Um, all right. Thanks so much, Roy. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. This was really helpful. And hopefully we got some uh, others that are listening that will be able to leverage your information to make their companies better. That's great. I uh, really enjoyed doing this and look forward to checking in uh, in, the, in the future as well. Uh, I loved catching up with Roy. I know that conversation really resonated with me because, you know, communication is such a big part of life and everything you do, uh, both professionally and, and personally. And there's just so much you can learn to tighten it up and, and be more direct. So I love that. I think everyone could probably benefit from this. So if you are listening, you should share this because I think somebody's going to find it helpful. So uh, get out there and share this with somebody you think might find it helpful uh, because we believe in sharing and sharing is caring. And uh, hopefully somebody can be a little more brief. All right. Speaking of being brief, before we wrap, I've got a few things to say and then we're going to wrap this puppy up trying to be super tight today and on theme. All right. There's an event coming up. You should be there. It's an, a virtual event, December 13th, a little bit before the holidays here. It's going to be great. The event is free and it'll feature five startups from our community. They're all going to be featured and pitching uh, for a set of investor judges, which are, are really great too. So some great companies, some great people involved. And I'm super pumped about this pitch event that'll kind of round out our year and fast track a couple companies to our upcoming summit, which we'll announce soon. So go over to register and be a part of it. You can come and attend and see what companies are out there and learn a little bit about the pitch because they're going to be getting some feedback from these judges. So go to SOTY.link forward slash grow pitch 2022. SOTY.link forward slash grow pitch 2022 and join us on December 13th. I will see you there. All right. Well, that's the show for today. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you have a startup idea and you want to get it going, today is the best day to start up. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it going. Start, for crying out loud. Get it going. And you can build upon that. 
You, get, you can do it in a, incrementally. So get it going, get it started. And in doing so, I encourage you to join our community for access to support, expert advice, and some resources you might need to elevate your startup by simply going to startupreview.com or SOTY.link forward slash apply. And until next time, I'm Frank Gruber. Don't forget to hug your loved ones and hope you, ha- hope you have a wonderful and safe holiday season. Good luck out there starting up. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.